Welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton. I'm the Editorial Director of Broadcast Sport. This podcast series brings you exclusive interviews with sports content makers. In this episode of the Broadcast Sport Podcast, we're bringing you a recording of one of the fantastic speaker sessions from a sold-out Broadcast Sports Summit held at Lord's Cricket Ground on 1st of November 2023. I'd like to welcome you to the stage, Sue Ansis, MBE. She has many titles, I'll read a few now. She's the CEO of Fearless Woman, the co-founder of the Women's Sport Collective and a founding trustee of the Women's Sports Trust. She is also a podcast host with her Game Changers podcast and an author of Game On, The Unstoppable Rise of Women's Sport. She's also a mother and she's represented her country in triathlon as well. Uh, In 2018, Sue received her MBE for services to women's sport. And most recently, Sue has added producer and director to her CV with her Netflix documentary, Game On, The Unstoppable Rise of Women's Sports. That's up for an award tomorrow night as well. Um, I think it's safe to say we are so lucky to have Sue pushing and working um, on women's sport in this country. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to actually give you a little bit of a teaser first of her uh, Netflix documentary, Game On, The Unstoppable Rise of Women's Sports. Thank you. It still gives me goosebumps. You're allowed to get goosebumps from your own documentary, but it does still excite me to see that too. So uh, thank you so much to Rachel and, and to Jake for inviting me to talk here today. It's really, really exciting to be here. I was just reflecting with Jake. Actually, we went to the event last year up um, in Manchester, a sports broadcast event. I learned so much at, at events. I'm ex- really excited for what's uh, coming today too. Um, but as Rachel said, I'm going to give you a bit of a whistle-stop tour already of my journey in content creation around women's sport. I ran a sports PR agency for 26 years, Promote PR, and it was only kind of 2019, 2020, where I sort of transitioned out to really focus on uh, women's sport and women's sport content. So a little bit really about my journey through. And clearly we have seen, as Rachel alluded to, this massive, massive growth uh, in women's sport, women's sports coverage in terms of the amount of content that's being created, the viewers that are coming to watch that sporting content too. And I know there's an amazing panel with uh, Tammy, Women's Sport Trust, and Vicky and others um, later on this morning. So I don't want to steal their thunder in that. And those of you that are in this phase will, will know that that growth is coming. So it's not just in terms of the volume that's being produced, but the audiences for it. And I would also say the quality uh, of the production has really shifted in terms of women's sport. And we're also seeing much bigger crowds coming to watch sports. And we saw that with the Euros, uh, but also that has gradually begun uh, to be seen more in terms of some of the domestic um, games too. So I'm thinking about Emirates um, breaking records in terms of WSL, but also in other sports. I was lucky to be at at Twickenham uh, March, April time for the Six Nations, almost 60,000 people watching England, France. We had record crowds for um, uh, the Ashes, Women's Ashes this summer. So in terms of the ODI, so we really are seeing people uh, coming in and, and watching the sport. So that's all super exciting. And obviously I kind of play my part in hoping to, to drive that further. Um, 
And as I say, there's almost that premium coverage that is the footage itself, so the broadcasting of those games and whether that is the big global events, but also uh, more the, the domestic events too, WSL, PWR, etc. Um, so that excites me, where we're going with that and the quality of production and so on. Um, but it's also then how we take those people that have come to the big global events, how do we get them to become real fans of sport? Um, and I think that's a, a challenge where women's sport is right now. We have got this gr growth of interest, but how do we build that fan base that will continue to come, at, you know, we can understand them better, that's key too, uh, but how do we get them to buy into um, the, the stories of those athletes and the rivalries uh, and the stories behind those athletes too. I'm also really passionate about getting more women working in the sports sector generally. So that's something I've done a lot of work with through Fearless Women. The Women's Sport Collective uh, is a network for women that work across sport, a free network for women that work across sport, supported by Sky Sports and uh, Sport England. Give them a little shout out while I'm here. Um, but definitely trying to get more women as leaders within the sports sector is something I feel really passionate about. And I think uh, that and also fans coming to sport is primarily driven by storytelling. So how do we find out more about who those people are, uh, the stories of their journeys? And um, I guess that's where I've kind of found myself is in this storytelling space, having left the world, the wonderful world of PR. Obviously, there's a lot. We're going to hear a lot of this today. So work on social media, whether it is uh, activating across YouTube, across other social media channels, um, behind the scenes footage, more of that, that content that's being created. And again, there are some fantastic sessions that will explore all of that growth. I think the one straight after here does exactly that. So that, that growth, I guess the piece that really fascinates me is around my world at the moment of books and of uh, podcasts and also on, on the documentary content too and that's an area um, I think it's a bit of a highlight of mine in the last five six years I've suddenly found myself in that space uh, and creating more of that content too um, I'll just start with the, with the game changers I guess in 20 I think it's 2018 I was working at promote PR um, and first decided I wanted to better amplify the stories of, of women within the sports industry um, and it was interesting at the time, I, we went to talk to a few producers and people said, oh, if you're talking to Spotify at the moment, this is 2018, their ambition for the future is all about comedy and it's about women's sport. There's going to be this plethora of women's sports podcasts coming down the line. And it's really interesting that we haven't really seen that. There definitely are more women's sports podcasts than there have been in the past. And we've seen a lot of football podcasts, definitely, in the last couple of years uh, following the Euros and then into the World Cup. So that's great to see. But there probably hasn't been that growth in women's sports podcasts that I had anticipated and perhaps there's room for, for more of those there too. I give you this as a little snapshot of series 15 launched this week. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki and Ellie Simmons were uh, the first two guests whose episodes we've released there. Uh, but you can see it's a real mixture. Juliet Slots, uh, Chief Commercial Officer at Arsenal is one of our guests for this series. Um, Susie Rack from The Guardian. So a mixture of women working in sport as well as uh, the athletes and those representing sport at the highest levels too. Um, it's really grown, so I say I'm really pleased that we're in the 15th series now. Um, we are funded to 2026, so Barclays sponsored five series of the Game Changers. They were, we really focused on uh, fearless women in football. Sport England have sponsored five series and have now committed to sponsor um, the podcast for the next three years, so another 72 episodes. Uh, but there are so many amazing women in sport to talk to. It's, it's kind of exciting that we've still got that opportunity. Um, but we've had over 150 guests uh, on the podcast, and it, and it really has... I guess for us, we've kind of proven that success in its longevity of being around since 2019. 
I just wanted to highlight on each of these things where I feel, you know, the kind of elements that have driven that success for us. I think on the podcast, it's definitely around investing in the production side of it, which will please people in this room, I'm sure. I think when I first came up with the idea of doing the podcast, I thought I could probably do it myself, which is what I think lots of people in the podcast world feel. I got up my software and soon realized I, I probably could do it myself, but not very well and not to the quality that I wanted. So um, actually Sam Walker, who's ex-BBC Five Live, has been the executive producer on the podcast since the beginning, since 2019. Um, and she was more expensive than others that I spoke to at the time, but having that quality of production definitely makes guests more likely to come on I think and it's attracted sponsors too so I would definitely say making that in, it was a, the first two series were completely self-funded from the agency so I think definitely and they weren't sponsored uh, but, but taking that commitment to pay someone to help us to make a great product was really important I definitely think that made a huge value um, we've also been quite consistent in the format, and I know there are many other podcasts out there, some of which have uh, different formats. We have been pretty much the same, me, you know, in interviewing a woman for 45 minutes to an hour or so uh, with a similar arc across the podcast too. But I think the um, people that download it enjoy the fact that it is a, a similar format from the research that tells us that they do so. We do have some panels we're looking at the moment at doing potentially more Game Changers lives, new formats, uh, but for the moment we've stuck over those four years with a consistent format and our audience would tell us that does matter to them, they like that. And the biggest point, I think, to our success has been creating evergreen content. So right from the very early interviews, we didn't really talk too much about what was topical. So when we're interviewing Emma Hayes, we're not really talking about what Chelsea's doing in Champions League that week. We tried to not talk too much about that, to talk more generally about people's careers uh, and then also about bigger issues around equality uh, and sport and women's sport. So even this weekend, I did look back. You know, we had hundreds of downloads this weekend for the first one or two series, Kate Richardson Walsh, um, Maggie Alfonsi, Denise Lewis, Tanya Gray Thompson, people are going back to listen to those now, and they do, I do every now and again go back and listen myself just to check, but they do feel as fresh four years on as they did at the time, and I think that's definitely something I would recommend. And obviously, there are many other uh, ways to do podcasts to make them more newsworthy and topical, but I think for us, that evergreen element sometimes can be hard to ensure, but that's definitely made a huge difference. From the Game Changers, I uh, went on to write Game On. And my idea for Game On initially was to take, I think we probably had about 50 episodes at the time, to take the stories of those amazing women and to make that into a book. And I uh, met a fantastic agent who said, actually, you're better off probably to follow your journey through women's sport, with the history of it, where it is now, where it's going in the future, go and talk to people in that space too. So I did that, and I did it through Unbound. I didn't go to a traditional publisher, so I talked to this agent. It felt like it was going to be a really long process, and I, now I'm in the world of publishing a little bit, I realize it's always quite a long process in publishing. Uh, so I went through Unbound, and it was crowdfunded. So about 750 people paid in advance to buy a copy of the book. Their names are all in the back of the book. Um, some of you here today, so thank you. Uh, and that funded the book, and then it becomes a normal publication process once funded, so in terms of production, copywriting. I had more control over uh, the look and feel of the book. I didn't get an advance for it, so that's, a, that's one of the disadvantages, uh, but actually it feels like we had more ownership uh, in that process. It's really interesting when you look at who buys books. Uh, this is for the best-selling books in the UK um, in the last couple of years. And if you look for female authors, it's really a high proportion of their readers are female.
male, a smaller proportion is male. Uh, and yet for male authors, it's quite an even split of male and female uh, consumers, readers. Um, and this is for best-selling books. So this is crime and history and everything else. I would say if you put sports books in here, it would probably be even more so, I feel, an audience of female for female rather than both. Um, so it makes it slightly more challenging when you're out there, and I would say this might be one of the reasons we haven't seen as many female uh, books in this, in this space. I'm a judge of the um, Sunday Times Sports Book of the Year Awards, uh, and it's been really hard for them to get more female athletes to tell their stories for the, anyway, we could do a whole session on that in itself. It's, it's an area where there, there could be more work that needs to be done, I think, in terms of getting uh, um, more women to write books and to, for publishers to take more females' books. But I think there's almost that feeling at the beginning, that where is that audience? Is the audience, is there a big enough audience for it? In terms of the success of the book, I would definitely say crowdfunding helped us. So when the book then launched, um, my light's sort of flashing. I haven't got a 15 minutes on here, so I, I'll just talk fast. You'll flag me when I get there. I looked across to catch the sight of how long I've got, and it's already flashing. Um, slightly worrying. Um, so in terms of the use of crowdfunding, when the book launched, we then had... Um, nearly 800 people that were sharing the story of the book, so that was great in almost having those people behind us. Um, the Patience for the Long Term, when I published it, um, it was actually two years ago this week that it was published, first published, and the, I was all excited about Sunday Times bestseller list and where would we be in terms of that ranking, and it was all about, for me, the profile of the book and the sales of the book in the early month, and the publisher said, absolutely not, this book has got a long tail, it'll be around for a long time, you've written a book that will last, and actually, uh, we got the sales figures, you only get them every six months in publishing to know how you're doing, but the numbers of, of sales right now are higher than they were even back in 2021, so that's definitely true, I think the, the kind of patience to see if you've written a book and it is something that is remains topical it will unlike fiction have a longer um, tail through uh, and then uh, I seem to have uh, I've jumped ahead there anyway sorry uh, in terms of the the final point was the impact of free audio so when I wrote the book um, actually one of the things that was slightly disappointing with Unbound is they didn't sell the license for the audio so we didn't get an audio contract it wasn't on Audible which was slightly frustrating and I think if I'd gone with a different publisher that's almost part of the package that they might have given you um, but this time last year I took the license um, for the audio back from um, Unbound and recorded it myself and I then released it within the Game Changers so chapter um, series 13 of the Game Changers is the whole book so every episode is a chapter of the book and we gave it away for free. And I did have people saying, actually, why would you do that? Because surely that's going to cannibalize sales of the book. And um, for me, it's about getting the message out there, giving people the tools to call out the inequalities we see, educating people about women's sports. So that was my reason for doing it. But actually, from a commercial point of view, it has just really helped sales of the book too. I think people read the chapter, and they listen to a chapter, they share it with other people. I don't think it cannibalizes. I think if you're going to listen to a chapter, you know, you might not buy the book, but people have then gone on to buy the book too. So I think that feeling of Audible and that growth of the Audible book market is, is that was so important space to be in, uh, but nice to be able to do that and, and give it away for free too. Then moving on, obviously, uh, to the Game Changers itself. So in terms of the documentary, uh, kind of came off the back of having written the book and having that story and wanting to tell that story. I would give a massive shout out here to my partners in crime on the documentary, uh, Ben and Jack Studio. And Jack Tompkins is here today, uh, my co-director uh, and producer, co -editor, uh, producer. And Jack actually edited the whole of the documentary too. Um, so Ben and Jack Studio have worked on um, Everybody's Game. So um, the story of, of black players within rugby, uh, No Woman, No Try, a rugby documentary, Harlequin's Prep to Win, at, at Luke, 
Lewis documentary, uh, a different board game. So I've done a huge amount of work in that sports uh, filmmaking space. Um, and we then came together to create um, Game On. So it's an exciting time. I'd worked with them previously in, with my PR hat on, so knew how brilliant they were in terms of videography and content production. Uh, and I worked with them a little bit in terms of uh, some of the documentaries they've made too. So we kind of came together as a team, really excited, created a lovely treatment, got some fantastic people that said they'd like to be involved, took it out to every broadcaster we could find, uh, but sadly, well, there was a lot of interest, but nobody actually wanted to commission it. So we did have some really good conversations. People came back quite quickly. People were interested in the topic, uh, but nobody wanted to commission it. Uh, so we decided we'd just go ahead and make it anyway. So we self-funded it, uh, and there were things we couldn't do because it was self-funded, but primarily we just went ahead and did what we had planned to do anyway uh, to create the documentary. Uh, one of the concerns that people fed back, well, actually, maybe they didn't tell us this, but I feel this is the case, is there wasn't really that interest as much for content, documentary content around women's sport as there is around men's sport. And we didn't directly hear that from them, but you definitely sense that. And you sense that actually lots of women's sports documentaries are almost, or do sports documentaries tend to be like that shoulder content that supports the rights. So we're doing a lovely Brian O'Driscoll uh, documentary because we've got the rights to the men's rugby or you know whatever it might be. It sits alongside the drive to survive, etc. It's driving people to watch and consume the footage. Uh, and because many of the broadcasters didn't have that much women's sports footage, uh, they weren't as interested. Why would they invest in a documentary when they don't really have the audience that might be consuming it? I think this is changing, and I, well, I have to believe it's changing. You know, it's not a reason not to do it just because you think uh, people aren't interested in it yet. I think as more sports women's sports rights are brought, there will be more demand abroad. there will be more demand for uh, more content. I did a little bit a little look around at the weekend just to check at other people's slates and whether there is that interest in women's sports content. So this is on Prime. I just Googled football documentaries on Prime. First 35 are documentaries about men's football. It's not a single documentary. That you, you think you're back in the 1930s with the FA's ban of women's football, if you saw this. Not a single documentary that covers anything to do with women's football. Even though we've just come off the back of the Euros and the World Cup and all this noise around women's football, not one documentary on Prime that talks about women's football. Um, and similarly, looking at... Um, my lovely friends at Netflix. Uh, but if you look at the Netflix, this is the slate for Netflix. And this is obviously on my algorithm, so clearly my documentary appears in the top left-hand corner. Uh, but if we look at the women, where's women's sport? This is across, this is just putting sport into Netflix. Where is the women's sport on here? You've got Tyson Fury's wife and fat daughters. You've got the girlfriend of the quarterback and then killer Sally. So it doesn't really, it's not really a lovely representation of women's sport and all that women's sport could be. That is when we look at the slate across Netflix right now. So as I say, I'm pleased that we went and did it. I do feel there's a little bit of that similar to the book, which is kind of sad really. I'm not sure how many men uh, would go to look at Prime and whatever uh, um, Netflix, wherever, and look for a women's sports documentary if they've got, you know, Wrexham, they've got Drive to Survive, they've got the choice of Unchained. Are they going to go and say, oh, actually, look, look at Game on the Unstoppable Rise of Women's Sport? Unless, it, and this is similar with the book, actually. Lots of men coming up to me at book signings. I'm buying this for my daughter, my wife, my PE teacher, my aunt. Read it yourself, you know, actually, men, educate yourself. Find out about uh, the, the area of women's sport. But it does seem to be, it's not quite for me, but it's, you know, I can, or I can watch your documentary if I'm sat with my daughter or I'm sat with my wife or my girlfriend. So I think there's work to be done, and it's not a reason not to make it. I think there's work to be done there. 
another challenge that we had there was that the need for a name. So there was definitely this, we want someone famous to lead this, a name to hook it on. And for us, it's a real challenge there because actually it's a catch-22. We don't have those names in women's sports yet because they haven't had the coverage, they're not that well known. So how can we have a household name to lead the documentary uh, if it doesn't yet exist? Uh, I'm getting my little signs here, so I'm going to whiz on. Fortunately, happy end to the story. We took it back out when it was made. There was lots more interest. We chose to go with Netflix because that's who we'd filmed it for in the start. That's who, where we'd always wanted it to be. Uh, and for us, I think that really did make uh, the biggest difference in terms of reaching an audience uh, and having the impact that it's had. So we're really, really happy uh, that it found its home on Netflix. Um, and my three points in terms of all the work I were done is one is to remain authentic in what you're doing. Follow the joy is my motto, is find what you love and do what you love. Uh, definitely invest in brilliant people. Uh, so focus on the quality. So whether that is investing yourself financially or just choosing, finding brilliant partners like Ben and Jack, uh, but working with the best people that you can to create quality. And for me, I think the funding will then follow. So I've never come into this with a business plan of how I'm going to make money from this. It's been do what I love because it's the right thing to do and I love what I'm doing and, and it feels like it's the right time. Uh, I feel the rest will then follow. Oh, that was quick at the end there, wasn't it? Uh, that is, that gets my story really in terms of where I am. Thank you. checking these are on we're yes. all good uh, thank you very much Sue I know you were getting a stop sign from the back I was that's a bit scary wasn't it that's I know, not, I not even like two minutes it was just stop. like stop don't don't turn around when that that's on the show well we'll quickly ask a couple of questions because I know some of you have used Slido so thank you so Sue we'll have a, a couple of these um quick one to start with do you have any plans to make a follow-up dog Oh, we are. We've got to uh, say, Jack, careful what I say, haven't I? We, we're, we're working on one at the moment with a rugby player down in Bristol who's um, had a baby in July, is hoping to come back for PWR, start PWR uh, in October. October, November time, November 18th. So that's in production. And we've got a few others we're having conversations with. Yeah, so we, so we, we love the process and we want to do more. Even though it was quite challenging. It you was to challenging. actually fund it yourself <laughs> yeah. until you got Netflix involved, which I think is great. I'm going to pick your brains on that a little bit later as well. Um, next one. What is the best example of storytelling via content for women's sport that you've seen um, that helped to build fandom around the sport? God, who asked that? That's that's good good one, that it's a good one. I'd like to have seen that before. Best e I hate these. It's like being interviewed, isn't it? Best example of a uh, document. I guess there aren't that many of them. I'm, uh, when I say game on, there aren't that many of them. So I think almost like seeing, um, I was thinking about a Nicola Adams documentary comes to mind. I'm, I'm going to answer that later. Sorry, that's rubbish, isn't it? That I can't answer that question. <laughs> she needed more prep time. I did Sorry, need a bit so more on that. I've my mind's gone complete bank of other, other content. There's not enough content out there. That's what I would say. Um, what's driving the interest in women's sport right now? Is it football or has it all kind of come together across the different sports? To build focus. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think it, football is undoubtedly. I did. I was very lucky to interview Juliet Slot yesterday about Arsenal. That's one of my questions. What do you say to people who feel it's a little bit kind of over in the um, attention for football and the investment in football and the coverage of women's football? But it is, as she said, you know, rising tide floats all boats. I do feel football is leading the way. Uh, but actually, if you look at what's happening with Solheim Cup and the coverage of the boxing at O2, the you know, yeah, there's so many sports that I could say that have that are also experiencing that growth. I mentioned rugby earlier, the cricket numbers too, and I know uh, the Women's Sport Trust is releasing more research tomorrow. And every time we see that research, you see it isn't it isn't just football. Like football is a high percentage, but I think others 
are, are coming too. See, I'm excited across sports. And final one. Um, this one asks, Sue, about the podcast, uh, is it mainly a marketing channel or does it make a profit? And in terms of what are the requirements for a commercially viable podcast? Yeah. Putting on the spot. No, no, it's fine. No, it absolutely makes a profit. It, do, it is profitable for us. It's profitable for us because it's always been sponsored. So we've never uh, made ads through, have ads, we never have any ads in the podcast at all. It's only ever been through sponsors. And for us, that is uh, a much more lucrative way uh, to fund it than have it. And I hate ads in podcasts anyway. So I, I chose not to go that route for myself. So no, it absolutely is lucrative. And we're having lots of conversations about other people making specific series for them around uh, sport. So yeah, sponsor led is that. Absolutely the way I would go. I know I've been short here. I'm here all day. I'm here. So please do come and talk and, uh, and I'd love to kind of answer, answer other questions. I'm going to give you a, a time up now. Yeah. That. Sorry, <laughs> Sue. Um, yeah, we could chat all day about podcasts and documentaries, but thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed that. That was our, our first session. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and we'll see you soon for the next episode.